Welcome to Beauty Uncut, the podcast. I'm Kayla. And I'm Ian. And we're here to bring a new perspective to beauty, health, and wellness. So today's episode is all about scarring after surgery, which I think is probably the most common question you get asked when doing surgical breast lifts. It is. I think it's the reason people want to avoid having a lift because of the scarring that they've seen or they've heard about. Yes. Like it can look quite scary, like in the initial phases, like having a huge scar running up your breast. But there are so many things that, you know, we spoke about in our last episode Mm. that you can do at home, having a great, you know, doc doing your surgery. And then there's also treatments if something was to happen and you're not a great healer that you can do to minimize that scarring. And not to toot our own horn or anything, but I do believe that we are one of Australia's leading non-surgical clinics for scar revision. We do the most morphia states in Australia. We've kind of developed our own scar revision protocols. And I feel like we're really passionate about scarring. I feel like this has become your new acne. It has become my new acne. Because I, you know, when we spoke about acne, like Mm. I loved acne. I loved reading everything about it. Scarring is like my new baby and I want everyone who has surgery, if they're self-conscious about it, to come to us and know that we know our shit. Well, I think it's interesting because a lot of people think that once they have a scar and if it hasn't healed well, that there's absolutely nothing they can do about it. But as you know, as we've seen, you can actually treat older scars and get a really good result out of it. Yeah, like we see see people that have had their scars for five years Mm -hmm. and they still get good results. Obviously, the best time to start treating it is earlier on, but we'll delve into that when we go into treatments and products Mm. in the podcast. But let's start with the scar itself. So obviously, when you have surgery, having a scar is inevitable. But there are things that you as a doctor can do and then you as a patient can do as well to help that. So do you want to kind of go into like maybe what a scar is and all of that stuff? Yeah. So I think first of all, you have to think any surgery is going to have a scar. As you say, there are a lot of people that say scarless surgery or, you know, no visible scars. Yeah, I've actually seen that a lot. What is a scarless surgery? There's no such thing as a scarless surgery. So I think I, I have seen it referring to different things. And sometimes I've seen it referred to a non-surgical treatment oh, and they'll okay. call it scarless. They should, they should say surgery in, in quotation <laughs> marks, but it's not actually a surgery because there's right. no scar there. Okay. And so a surgical scar is going to be your neatest scar because you're cutting through each individual layer and then you're putting them back together. Also, if you have a scar that you got from scratching yourself on I don't know, a piece of metal or a tree or something, It's not going to be as neat. It's not going to heal as neat, first of all, because the layers have all been cut up and not put together. Yeah, not put together where they should be. And so sometimes I'll have people come in, they say, I scar really badly. And I'll say, oh, how did you get that scar? And then like, you know, I fell and grazed my knee on the the bitumen. And I'll say, of course, it's not going to be like a surgical scar. It doesn't mean you scar badly. It means that scar was... Didn't heal well. it, It healed badly because of how it was made. But when you treat each layer and bring everything together, then you can get a very good result. In surgery, the one thing I'm thinking about that I can do to minimize the scarring is reducing the tension. And so I think tension on a surgical scar is one of the big factors in how they heal. And so if you take each layer and hold it together well with stitches, you're going to reduce that tension. So the more layers you do to a point, you're going to reduce that tension. Okay. So you, during the surgery, will obviously try and minimize a scar as much as you can. 
So after surgery, what happens to a scar? Like what's the timeline of healing? Yep. Okay. So the phases of wound healing or the timeline really determines how we treat our scars. So as we talk about this today, I'm hoping you're going to see, oh, that's why we do this at this time period. So the first phase is the inflammatory phase. It's called, there's three phases that we'll talk about. Inflammatory, proliferative, and remodeling. So the inflammatory phase lasts between four and seven days. And that's your initial post-op appearance. So during that time, the scar is going to have some redness. It's going to be swollen. This is where your white blood cells, your fibroblasts all start to come in to the area and you get increased blood flow as well. That's why the scars look so red. And a lot of times this is what you'd call a fresh scar. This is what people see when they see their breast lift online. If they're Googling, what does a breast lift scar look like? They'll see that fresh scar and it's extensive and it's scary because it's so red and swollen. After that phase, you move on to the proliferative phase. And this is when the fibroblasts are really starting to do their work and lay down new collagen and bring that scar together. Now, if it's been brought together well in surgery with the stitches, there's not a lot of work for them to do to fill in the gaps. So they're really just knitting together the tissue that's already been placed close together. That phase can last up to three weeks. Okay. And so this is an important phase as well because you're looking at healing that dermis Healing the dermis is probably the most important part of getting a minimally visible scar. I think if you, for instance, cut the epidermis only, the dermis is intact, those skin cells are just going to grow over and you almost won't see that. But once you've made a cut in the dermis, that's when you get a scar. Right. So it's important that that's brought together well. So after the proliferative phase, you go into the remodeling phase. And I've mentioned this to you before. This can last up to two years. So from that three weeks two years there are things that can be done and this is just your body moving the the tissue around you know the white blood cells the macrophages come in and they eat up the cellular rubbish and then they'll lay down new collagen and just reorganize that scar really to make it look as neat as possible it's important to know that scar tissue is not as strong never will be as strong as your normal skin, skin. yeah it probably gets to 80 85 percent Maximum. Can we do anything to kind of get it back to 100% or no? It will never no, be the same. No, scar tissue will, will never be. And like so, what does that mean? It's just a more sensitive area or it just doesn't yeah. heal as yeah. well? So, it's just something to note. <clears throat> I think that um, it, it's not as pliable either. So, you, you've probably seen scars that are quite firm. And we do, we are able to get them to soften up, but sometimes there's always a little bit of that firmness you can feel under the skin there. So again, it depends on how the scar was made and how it heals. And do these phases change? Like if you get a post-operative infection and Mm -hmm. things like that, that, will this change the inflammation, proliferation stage and things like that? So if you get an infection, so that's usually going to happen within that inflammatory phase or early on in the proliferative phase. Like in the first three weeks, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so this can prolong one or both of those those phases depending on, yeah. And that can also worsen the scar as well. That's right, yeah. Because, again, that's going to break down the work that was done surgically. And so the stitches that are there, the deep stitches are usually all dissolvable stitches. They're not going to be allowed to do their work because the tissue that they're holding becomes a bit what we call friable, so it just pulls through. Okay. So before we jump into the treatments and products that can assist, should we talk about like age, complexion, and genetics and how these play a role within your scar? Yeah. Yeah. So these are things that can be used to predict how well you'll scar. 
And we'll start off with age. So, so, so what are your thoughts? Me, what are your thoughts? Obviously, the younger you are, you're going to heal a lot better, right? Oh my god, I'm wrong. Stop <laughs> it, I'm wrong. <laughs> you're, I, you're not I'm semi right. You're semi right. Okay, you're so I know if you're very young, or like maybe is it like 18, you're not going to heal as well as someone who's 30. But if you're 50, then you're going to yeah. heal better than someone that's no, you're going to heal worse. Sorry, than someone that's like younger than you. Very hard to make those, I guess, categorizations, <laughs> but the things to think about, remember I said the tension. So in a young skin, you've got more firmness and you're going to ultimately get more tension in that scar than an older skin, which is quite lax. And but so they also have poor wound healing. Sometimes. Okay. Yeah. So that's where the other factors come in. So if you're just looking at age on its own, you've got to look at age plus, you know, something else, yes. because I have seen scars from someone in their 50s, much better than someone in their 20s. Right, but just because they don't have that tension. That's right, yeah. That just is, I know you've taught me this before, which is why I caught myself being like, oh, shit, no, I'm wrong, because <laughs> I knew that, like, you know, in your 50s or whatever, mm. like, you can't have a better scar than someone who is younger. But then it also comes down to the quality of their skin, their yep. lifestyle and all of that. And I think generally an older person does have a poor wound healing, so... I guess you could you could make that generalization. I am going to make that generalization. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> but again, it's it's not one single factor, right? Yes, it's multifactorial. Yeah. Is that a word? Yeah. Oh, there we go. So age. age. The younger you are, potentially the worse you can scar, which I think is a very big misconception because you would think it's the other way around. Yeah. Two is complexion slash genetics. Yeah. So all of, both of those are, I guess there's an interplay between them and in general – the darker the skin tone, the more likely you are to have issues with healing. So this is because of a result in a, a lengthened proliferative phase. So, so the fibroblasts are just overactive. Right, and that's when you get things like your hypertrophic and keloid scarring yep. Yep. and then like your pigmentation. Whereas I feel like in a fairer skin, mm. you get more of that vascular and red scarring. That's it, yeah. Do you want to talk about the difference between hypertrophic and keloid scars now or later? Yeah, now let's talk about it now. Because I think that's a big misconception. People come into my room and they say, I have a tendency to keloid scar or I have a really bad keloid scar. And I ask them to show me and it's a usually a mild hypertrophic scar. And so we have to think about the differences. Keloid scars, true keloid scars are actually very rare. Mm -hmm. And I don't think I've seen them in my cosmetic career at all. I saw them prior to that when I was working in the public hospital. But most of the time, what we'll see is a hypertrophic scar, and that's more of your raised, thickened scar, as opposed to keloid scar, which is raised and thickened, but also wider. Spreads. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Yeah, we generally see more of a hypertrophic mm. scar. And that's just when things um, overstimulate, right? And then yep. that, those skin cells just like multiply on top and you've that's got it. that scar tissue yeah, sitting just, on top of the skin. just builds up. All right. Well, leading into that is treatments. Mm -hmm. So if someone does have a hypertrophic scar post-surgery, which I actually think is probably one of the hardest scars to treat, mm. what would you say is the ideal treatment or what treatments would you do? So my mainstay, which has been for a long time, the only thing I've used would be Kenicort, so mm -hmm. steroid injections into those scars. But again, since starting this journey with the clinic, we've got to use more than one thing, right? Yes. So steroids help. Kenicord's my first line. Yeah. But then we also have to look at resurfacing that skin. So what does Kenicord actually do? It helps to break down the scar tissue? Yeah, so it breaks it down and softens it up. Yeah. And so makes it, you're sort of taking it back into that early remodeling phase. Right. 
And I think a misconception as well with scar treatments is that a lot of people think you might just need one. Not true. Depending on the severity of the scar and how your body, you know, responds Mm. to it, you may need up to, you know, six to eight treatments. That's it. And it can take about a year to see the results from those treatments as well. Depending on how bad that scar is. Obviously, I'm going worst case scenario. Yeah. Yeah. But with Kenicor, with steroid injections, I think people don't realize that it weakens the tissue further. And so if you've got a bad scar and you inject it, you're going to get softening and maybe that hypertrophy will come down, but you've also then got a weakened area, which is prone to stretching and widening. So combining that treatment with something like RF microneedling to lay down more collagen, collagen, yep, that's going to strengthen that area. So then I would say I'm going to go into one that we don't actually offer here, Mm. but like a CO2 laser, an ablative laser to help resurface Mm. and remodel that scar tissue. I think laser is really good. Laser genesis is also really good Mm. for vascular scarring. We don't offer it here, so I'm not going to. No, we're not going to talk, get too much into it, but certainly there is a place for it in combination with something like laser genesis or, or any vascular laser. That's never going to be your only treatment for Scar remodeling? I think for scar remodeling in general, it's never one treatment. It's never one modality anyway. Like here, we combine all of our modalities pretty Mm. much. So actually, you know what we should have started with? Mm. Heal light. But we'll jump into it now. Yeah. Heal light. (laughs) Heal light is probably the most underrated device for scarring. Yeah. If you can do heal light twice a week for the first four weeks, Mm. I think you're going to just have an amazing result. Yeah. And we notice in our clinic, those who do heal light and those who don't heal light, don't do heal light, you can see a difference. Yeah, you can tell for sure. Yeah. What heal light does, it helps to stimulate cellular regeneration. It helps to reduce inflammation. It helps with bruising pain as well. And it can also help to minimize the risk of infection. So all of those together can just help improve the scar. It's also collagen stimulating as well. What I'm noticing with patients who have had the Heolite versus the ones who haven't, the ones who have don't, they've got a very clean scar. They don't have those little blood vessels and capillaries that you can see from the revascularization that other patients do. And so I think the Heolite must help speed up that process. It does. Yeah, and, it definitely uh, speeds up yeah. that process. And then I would say the next option would be microneedling. And this is different to microneedling RF, which we'll talk about in a second. But this is something like your dermapen. And I would say this is good for someone that, you know, doesn't really have a bad scar. It's just very faint and they want to get some collagen stimulation in there. I would just say your normal dermapen is fine. Yeah. Yep. I think you need to think about or patients need to think about the modalities. And so we're talking about all these different treatments, but they can be broken down to a couple of categories. One's mechanical injury and then one's thermal injury. And so both of those things can be used to help remodel the scar. So when you're talking about dermapen, for instance, it's just mechanical. When you're talking about CO2 laser, you've got your mechanical as well as your thermal. And that's the same for Morphysate and Exion as well. That's That's thermal and mechanical. Yeah. So any RF microneedling, you're, you're saying it in the name, RF thermal, microneedling, mechanical. So you're getting both. So Morphysate and Exion microneedling RF is probably definitely the most popular treatment we use for scar revision mm-hmm. here. Yep. How does that differ from normal microneedling? So first of all, you're getting more depth from the needles, a deeper penetration of that mechanical injury. And then you're also adding the thermal injury. So you're treating a bigger area in bulk 
with that heat energy. So you're remodeling essentially more of the scar and remodeling the tissue around the scar as well. I feel like Dermapen's more targeted to the scar itself, but doesn't do anything to the surrounding tissue. I agree with that. And if you've ever had like a wound breakdown or your scar has kind of stretched or spread, mm. or you're getting that divoting in the scar, yeah. microneedling RF is mm. so good for that type of scar. Yeah. You want to fill in or allow your body to fill in the gap and pull everything closer together. Yeah. And then the last one is IPL. IPL, I love IPL. And Mm. I think using your microneedling RF with your IPL and your heolite all together, incredible. So your IPL will target the pigment and vascular lesion within your scar. So I wouldn't say it does too much in terms of remodeling the actual scar tissue, but it will take away the pigment and vascular redness in your scar. Yeah. And for a lot of patients, as I'm seeing them go through their post-op journey, they'll get to a point where I say the scar itself is fantastic, but the pigment or the color is what we need to work on now. And that's where the IPL comes in as opposed to the the needling. So the the focuses are different for different people. And I think the redness is what bothers a lot of people Mm -hmm. anyway. So it's probably the number one treatment we would probably recommend here. But I think something that's important to note is with scar revision, it's not as easy as it seems. It's not black and white. No treatment, one treatment plan will suit everyone. Mm. And that's why I think it's important to go to someone who actually specializes in scar revision. And we have obviously Dr. Chinsey that works alongside us and having him being able to assess the scars and say if they're ready to have treatment or not is great because some people can begin their treatments at six weeks. Some people can't begin them till six months yeah. or even 12 months. Yeah. So I think a lot of, I'm going to say a lot of the time people can start treating the scars too early. Yeah, I think there's a tendency to, for all of, especially non-surgical, there's a tendency to just say this is the way it's done for everyone. Yeah, but and it's not. it's not. So this is really one of those cases where you've got to look at every single individual and determine a plan for them as opposed to just having a treatment that you do. Exactly. Like you need, every single person needs that custom plan. And that could entail doing one device or it might entail doing four devices. Just kind of depends. Yeah. And that's good in my post-op for for my own patients. Obviously, when I see them post-op, I can say I would focus on this treatment afterwards or I think you need both or, you know, maybe let's try this one first and then we'll move on to the other one. So for patients coming from other surgeons, it's usually a, a little bit easier because we don't have to worry about when to start it. They're often down the road a little bit in their post-op journey. So you're, they're well into the remodeling phase. You don't have to worry about starting too early. You can just look at the scar as it is and get on with the plan. Yeah. And then before, we probably should have spoken about this before, but products. So we Mm. generally start with products first. So we, in our scar kits to all of our surgical patients, we have is clinical super serum. Mm -hmm. We have the shield recovery And we've got either silicon gel or silicon tape, depending on the incision that you have. So the IS Clinical Super Serum, I would say, has been a game changer Mm. introducing that into our post-surgery care. So it has a 15% concentration of next-generation allosculpic acid with bio-identical copper tripeptide growth factors. And this really helps to, I would say, revise and remodel that scar tissue. It helps with the redness and the pigmentation in the scar. And honestly, since using it, most people do not need scar revision treatment. I think really... Have you noticed that? I have. So because we had all these advanced protocols with the needling and the IPL, since we've started including the super serum for our post-op patients, we've seen less of the more advanced treatments or less need for them. Yeah. 
And then we've got the shield recovery balm. And this is kind of a new one that we've introduced. And we noticed because a lot of people were reacting to their dressings and getting that irritation. So we started to introduce the shield because we know that's really good for inflammation, irritation. And a lot of the time we were noticing the scars were becoming red because of the the adhesive. And so introducing that shield, we no longer need that adhesive like we no longer have those reactions that's right yeah so i think that was becoming a big problem and i don't know if people in general are just becoming more reactive but it it started you'd have one or two patients that were reacting to the dressing and that was fine all right we'd change that but i feel like the numbers have just increased a lot i'm not sure what's happening in yeah. the world i feel like a lot of people diets. are allergic to adhesive mm. or you know are reactive to it yeah so yeah and then the other two was our silicon gel and silicon tape. I don't know too much about these, but you've been using them the whole time. Yeah. So both of them, obviously any silicon product does the the same thing. You're aiming to flatten that scar and prevent the scar from over proliferating into that hypertrophy. A lot of people know about the silicon sheets. So these are reusable sheets that people would put on their scars and they've been around for a long time. A little bit more... Uh, modern formulations now with the gels it's just a bit easier to apply it's not something that you have to to keep track of and stick to the the sky just apply it let it dry and then it's doing its job so i really like the silicon gels the tapes as well uh, i like for mastopexy because you've got a lot of scarring there you end up going through gel very quickly if you're going to use that but also doesn't it help to reinforce the scar so add some tension yep so that's reducing tension on the suture line yeah. So, so that's why we put the tape on for the mastopexy because I think, again, everyone's they're, – they're at higher risk of wound issues. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's it. So we just spoke about age and genetics and all of that playing a factor into how the scar heals. There are a lot of other things that you as a patient can do to help with your healing. And I think the biggest one is no smoking, no vaping. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a huge one that I think people take for granted because it's still very much when people think about smoking, they're like, it affects my lungs. It doesn't affect anything else, but smoking and vaping, same thing affect you systemically. And so what does smoking and vaping do? Cause I feel like, especially vaping, I feel like people don't realize how mm. bad it is and what it does to your scar. Yeah. So the main effect that it has for scarring is uh, the microcirculation. So when you have a scar, okay, you know how we talked about the inflammatory and the proliferative phase? You've got the fibroblasts coming in. They need to be carried there by blood vessels. There needs to be adequate circulation for a wound to heal. And if that microcirculation is not there, you're not going to get the repair cells to that area. And so it's just going to sit and it's not going to heal well because it will, while it eventually will heal up, it's not going to heal in a timely fashion or heal as well as it should be exactly and then you also run the risk of wound breakdown issues when you're a smoker like you can get you know an opening of your incisions and things like that and the reason you get wound breakdown is because that wound hasn't healed in time and you've got tension on it from if it's a breast augmentation Mm -hmm. you've got tension on it from an implant in most cases weight gain after surgery yeah how does that affect the scar? Because I know, you know, when you recommend surgery, you say, you know, you have to be within five kilos mm-hmm. of your desired weight. If you yo-yo up and down, this can affect your, not only the shape of your implants, mm-hmm. but also your incisions. Yeah. Is, does this come down to tension? It comes down to tension. Yeah. It's all mechanical forces there. The Because the weight gain, unless you're putting on lots and lots of weight in 
a short amount of time that's within three weeks of your surgery, which I, I very much doubt is going to happen. It, it usually happens during the remodeling phase and then it's just mechanical forces. Last one, which I important, is sun exposure. Mm. Everyone in Australia, it shocks me that people still love the sun. Yeah. So we say no sun baking with your incisions out for at least 12 months. Yeah. Because you've got a metabolically active area and when you expose it to sun, you're going to be more prone to pigment development there. Yeah. And also just stop going in the sun or wear some SPF. I think that in general, Australians are in denial about what the sun can do. Yes, I agree. Yeah. So we also know a healthy diet, drinking lots of fluids, minimizing our alcohol and coffee intake will also help with healing. But I don't think we need to really delve into that. I think that's pretty. Well, no. And, and also I've always said with these lifestyle factors, I don't want to deny people of them. You know, people are going to drink their coffee. They're going to eat what they want. And so we're here to bring alternatives to scar therapy and scar healing, knowing that we've got these other things happening in the background. Yeah. Right. Well, I feel like that was a pretty long episode. So let's wrap this one up. If you want some more information about our scarring guide, it's all on the website. So I'll leave it in the link below. But thank you so much for listening to today's episode. We'll see you in our next one. Bye. Bye.